This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. This week, the government passed a law setting up a new preventative detention regime for non-citizens. This gives the government the power to send some high-risk non-citizens to prison, even though they haven't committed a new offence. The creation of these powers, which mirror the coalition's anti-terror orders, has been met with alarm by the Greens and human rights advocates. Look, I'm really worried that Labor is dancing to the Liberals' tune and we're seeing yet another race to the bottom on refugees. But the government says this is needed after a High Court decision last month that threw Australia's immigration detention regime into disarray. But will this new system hold up in court? And what does it mean for the treatment of refugees and migrants in Australia? Today... Labor's new preventative detention regime. It's Thursday, the 7th of December. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Paul, this is all about immigration detention and the issue of indefinite detention. Can you talk me through what kind of system we had in place and how that was overturned? in early November? Yes, so Australia has had a system of mandatory immigration detention for unlawful non-citizens since the Keating government in the early 90s. Paul Karp is Guardian Australia's chief political correspondent. So the intention is you take people into immigration detention for the purpose of deporting them. But a problem has developed where if you have stateless people or if you have people that are owed protection obligations that can't be taken to their home country, what becomes of them? And they they were languishing in immigration detention indefinitely. In 2004, the High Court very narrowly, four judges to three, said that that situation is lawful. But over time, that case has become more and more controversial. And then in November of this year, the High Court ruled that it was wrong. They overturned that decision and said that it's a breach of the separation of powers. It is a breach of the constitution for the executive government to detain people in immigration detention where there is no real prospect of deporting them uh, or that being practical in the reasonably foreseeable future. Mm. This was known as the NZYQ case. That's the pseudonym of the plaintiff who's a stateless Rohingya man uh, who 
was convicted of sexually assaulting a 10-year-old boy, served his time in prison and then went into immigration detention where he was held indefinitely because there was no prospect of deporting him. Now, as a result of having ordered that this person be released, the court has set a new constitutional limit and that means that anyone in the same position has to be released. And that's 148 people so far that have been released. And we've seen huge political debate about whether the government needed to do that, whether they'd been prepared enough with legislative options to respond. The government was scrambling today to deal with the fallout from the High Court's recent decision making indefinite immigration detention unlawful. An emergency bill imposing conditions and criminal sentences for the breach of those conditions. The new visa conditions will include electronic bracelet monitoring as well as strict curfews. And now another bill on preventive detention this week. The government rushed new laws through the Senate, allowing courts to re-detain some detainees with serious criminal convictions. If there is a risk, they will re-offend. Paul, there's been a lot of talk about these 148 people who were in immigration detention and have now been released. The coalition has described them as hardened criminals. We learned that the hapless Minister for Immigration has taken a decision to release 83 hardened criminals... Rapists, pedophiles, murderers, the rest of the detail he won't disclose. Is that an accurate and fair description? What do we know about these 148 people? The government has not given a breakdown of person by person who has committed which offences. What they have said is that a majority of the 148 released so far have been convicted of serious offences punishable by seven years or more in prison. But we also know that not everyone whose visa is cancelled on character grounds has had a conviction. Right, so it's a little bit blurry there. But to be clear, since being released, three of those 148 people have been charged with offences. What has happened there? Yes, so one person in South Australia has been charged with indecent assault. Uh, Another in New South Wales has been charged with drug possession in relation to marijuana. And a third has been charged for alleged breaches of his reporting obligations as a registered sex offender. And that person's also been charged with trespass. Now, it's important to note that it's innocent until proven guilty. So we don't know if these people are going to be convicted, but that is what police are alleging against them. So both before and after these arrests, the coalition has hammered the government over their response. They say they were unprepared for the release of these 148 people in the community. They were completely asleep at the wheel and the community safety is is now at risk and that's why both ministers should do the honourable thing and resign. They've botched it and if the Albanese... Why didn't the government have a plan kind of ready to go as soon as this High Court decision was handed down? What they did have ready was that they had asked the federal and state police and border force to form an operation to prepare for releasing people and to monitor those people in the community. What they didn't have uh, is legislation ready to go on day one. And the reason for that is that the government thought that they were going to get a decision much later in 2024. 
The Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has explained that, you know, from their perspective, uh, it was unusual that the court uh, gave a snap decision like that and unusual that it gave uh, its order without its reasons. So that's been their explanation about uh, why they didn't necessarily have it all together from day one. What the High Court has done is something which is a little bit unusual, and that is that it has made a decision. It has not explained the reasons for the decision. So it all it all happened much more suddenly than they thought, but they didn't have the reasons for the decision because the reasons followed several weeks later. So they were in a position where they wanted to wait for the reasons in order to have a, a robust bill that wasn't going to be legally challenged, that they knew would be legally safe, but they had the coalition, the opposition, breathing down their neck saying we need something immediately. And eventually they were persuaded that they needed to put through an immediate emergency bill uh, imposing new conditions like ankle bracelets and curfews and criminal penalties for the breach of those conditions because the old penalty used to be that you got taken into immigration detention. The High Court said you can't do that anymore, so they needed a new penalty uh, for people that breach conditions. And then they, they wanted to wait for the reasons to come up with a preventive detention regime, which is the bill that has gone through Parliament this week, um, to re-detain some people if they are a risk to the community. Can you talk me through this preventative detention bill? Yeah, so... Uh, The preventive detention regime allows the immigration minister to uh, uh, apply to state supreme courts to re-detain some people that have been released as a result of this high court decision or can't be taken into immigration detention because of the decision. It applies to people who have been convicted of a serious violent or sexual offence punishable by seven years or more in prison. And what the minister has to persuade the court is that the court has to be satisfied to a high degree of probability that the person poses an unacceptable risk of seriously harming the community by committing another serious violent or sexual offence. And so the court can order that the person go back into detention for a period of up to three years and you can have rolling orders so it can go three, six, nine years, it can be indefinite. Uh, There are some safeguards, including that the court reviews that order every year to make sure that's still appropriate. And there's a softer option. If they don't want to send them back into detention, the court can instead order supervision in the community. And that will be like conditions on the visa, except it will be court ordered instead of decided by the immigration minister. Is this indefinite detention light, indefinite detention with a few more clauses than what we had before, Paul? Well, for the people that are re-detained, it will be substantially similar, but it remains to be seen how many of the 148 people released are going to be re-detained under this uh, regime. It could be that, you know, there are so many safeguards in it that it doesn't have the effect of capturing a, a substantial number of these people and that most people might remain in the community with lots of conditions on their visa and supervision orders instead of detention orders. These laws were modelled on the coalition's anti-terror orders. They have been controversial. How restrictive are they and what's the response to them been amongst the more progressive elements of the parliament? 
Well, they have been they have been controversial because uh, the basis for the detention is something that you haven't done yet. It's something that you might do, uh, and that for a lot of people, it's it's a very illiberal uh, concept. You know, it's sort of you know minority report style future crime. And Greens leader Adam Bant went on breakfast to explain the concern that this treats non-citizens differently to others. What the government and the Liberals are proposing is to go even further and start talking about um, legislation that says if you might commit a crime in the future, then you can get locked up. And it's going to be treating people who are born in another country in a different way to to the way that we uh, run the legal system here in Australia. Now, this was enacted for concerns about high-risk terrorist offenders and the legality of that was challenged in the High Court, but it was upheld in 2021. So the Albanese government thinks it's on pretty safe ground here uh, because although this applies to a different cohort of people, it applies to non-citizens who can't be deported, who've committed serious uh, violent and sexual offences. They have modelled the provisions as closely as possible on the thing that was upheld by the court in the case of of high-risk terrorist offenders. So they're confident it will it will withstand challenge. Next, the legal and moral minefield surrounding the government's new powers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Paul, we've seen a lot of pressure applied on the government over these laws over the past few weeks. The coalition has critiqued the government for not being prepared in the first place. Now they're saying that the government needs to get this legislation right and take their time. Has there been some fairly opportunistic attacks here. Well, I guess the opposition have been a council to perfection. So a- any gap they can find between, you know, what the government did and what uh, what would have been ideal, they've exploited. But really, you know, th- there is a bipartisan failing here that, like, both sides of politics have relied on that 2004 decision to lock people up and throw away the key, and very little has been done to deport any of these people. You know, like, if they can't be taken back to their home country, in most cases, their, their approaches aren't made to third countries. When these cases come before the court, judges have been scathing saying that, you know, there's been a leisurely approach taken to removing them, just some random emails from border force officials to their home country to see if they'll they'll take them. So, uh, you know, Labor has been on the counterattack saying Peter Dutton should have been deporting these people when, when he was minister. Why didn't weren't they able to remove any of these people when they were in government? There's also been a lot of misinformation about 
whether or not the government was obliged to release them in the first place. The coalition seized on the reasons and said, ah, the court only ordered one person, the plaintiff NZYQ, to be released. In fact, the High Court only directed the release of the plaintiff NZYQ in that case. The decision to release the others was a decision made by the government. Advance of the reasons being handed down based on what is expected the High Court to say. Isn't it the case that the Minister has misled the Parliament? Order. Order. In setting a new constitutional limit, the government was obliged to release everyone in the same position. Then the debate became, oh, maybe some of them had lesser offences and maybe you could have found some, some other country to take them. Um, which, you know, is, stands in contrast to their, their rhetoric that they're all of them hardened criminals. So it, it's been extremely opportunistic. The government is following the court order and, uh, you know, has brought in legislation. It's just whether you chip them for the small amount of time it took to do that. Has the government allowed the coalition to pressure them into overly tough and even legally unworkable laws here? Well, the first set of laws that went through are already being challenged by three people in the High Court saying that ankle bracelets and curfews are punitive. And interestingly, two of those people were actually already in community detention because they'd been let out by the Albanese government before this High Court decision. So it's going to be very hard for them to argue uh, that people that weren't a risk a few months ago suddenly require this, you know, incredible draconian regime. The Greens have also criticised Labor for, you know, following Peter Dutton's dishonest campaign uh, about the level of community risk posed by by this cohort of people. Mm. What do you think of that argument, Paul? Labor has insisted that strong laws are laws that stand up in court and that, you know, it's not strong words that matter, it's strong laws. But it remains to be seen if that's what they've delivered because the High Court could rule that the bill that they passed with coalition amendments is punitive and fails the same test uh, as indefinite detention. So maybe if they want strong laws, they should take the drafter's pen out of Peter Dutton's hand. Right. Do you think that we... Could be about to see a bunch of challenges to these new powers in the court. I think so. I think just because it was upheld in the case of high-risk terrorist offenders, that there is, is likely to be a challenge arguing that this cohort is not as big a risk of the, as those people. There was some indication in the High Court's reasons in NZYQ that uh, people could be re-detained under a preventive detention regime, but that statement doesn't doesn't green light the specific regime that's been passed, which may face a challenge in the future. Mm. I think for the casual observer of this story, they've just been reading about people being released into the community, about a series of arrests that have happened since then, and seen the attacks from the coalition about this. I mean, how damaging could this be for the Labor government politically? Well, I think it plays into a broader narrative about, you know, this being a comparative weakness of Labor. You know, people might remember lots of uh, asylum seeker boats coming in the Rudd-Gillard era uh, and this this issue allows Dutton to exploit community fear about that to present himself as the hard man and, and Labor as incompetent. It also comes at, you know, not a great time for the government having lost the voice referendum. Um, people are concerned about cost of living issues. And those things are unrelated, but the coalition wants a general narrative of of competence and and not on your side to, to be established as a result of this. 
Paul, it's it's been an ugly few weeks. Where are we left now in terms of the debate around refugees and immigration detention in this country? Well, human rights groups and refugee and asylum seeker advocates saw the High Court decision as a huge advance. Uh, we're no longer going to have arbitrary and indefinite detention. That's going to bring us closer to conformity with international law. We're going to stop punishing these people for circumstances outside their control. So they saw that as, you know, two or three steps forward. But uh, I think we see the two or three steps forward coming pretty quickly with two or three steps back, doing everything in their power to take them back into detention. Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill saying, if it were up to me, we would take them all back Mm -hmm. into detention. If I had any legal power to put these people back behind bars, I would do it. I've got three children, as if I want these people walking around on the street. Now, the job for the government is to make sure that we can provide ways to protect the community within the new laws that have been set down by the High Court of Australia. So a lot of the progress that the decision represents is is being unwound as the coalition applies the community safety blowtorch to Labor. This new legislation is not the end of the issue here. What are we likely to see in the coming weeks and months? Well, I think there'll be a lot of media attention on any alleged reoffending or breach of visa conditions from people in this cohort. So I think that they're over the first or, or second hurdle now in that they've put through a legislative package, but in its practical application, having to release 148 people as a result of a court order is messy. It's very messy. This is 148 people that they've had to release uh, against their will, some of whom are going to be going back in, but through, you know, lengthy court proceedings, and some of whom are going to stay out with a series of incredibly restrictive conditions that are themselves the subject of court challenges. So this is going to be messy for a good while yet. That was Paul Karp, Chief Political Correspondent at Guardian Australia. I do recommend reading his analysis piece on this issue from The Weekend titled, If Labor Wants to Break a High Court Losing Streak, It Must Take the Drafter's Pen off Peter Dutton. We've linked to that on the Full Story page. Just an update on this story since we recorded. A fourth former immigration detainee has been charged with one count of theft and one count of failing to comply with a curfew. To get the latest, head to theguardian.com. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Daniel Simo. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.